Hello, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Chronicles podcast, where I interview a virtual CISO about their work and life. I'm your host, Caroline McCaffrey, one of the co-founders of ClearOps, which provides software to virtual CISOs that helps them grow and scale their businesses. As experts in this field, we have met hundreds of security consultants, and we keep our fingers on the pulse of the industry. My background is in law, with a focus on data privacy and cybersecurity, but I also have a long career working with startups. In fact, my parents had their own marketing business which is why I love learning about how people build their own businesses. So I started this podcast to feature interesting people in cybersecurity to talk about their passions, entrepreneurship, and business. If you don't know what a virtual chief information security officer is, then these professionals are security experts who offer consulting services to companies. Sometimes they're referred to as fractional CISOs. Our guest today is Greg Schaefer. Greg, thank you for joining me and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So please tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your background, and if you can, try to include something that is non-security related. Not security related. Okay, so uh, I've been in information security and information technology for a couple of years. Uh, actually, my first job was in 1989. I was a student assistant at the University of Buffalo, and I got a position as a network technician uh, basically installing um, network connections around the university. And this was mm-hmm. prior to Twisted Pair Ethernet. Uh, that did not exist at the time. Most of these were serial connections. Some were something what they call um, ThinNet, which was Ethernet over coax cable. So I just say all this so that y'all get an idea that I've been around for a few years. <laughs> I, and my my career arc, I went through, uh, I wasn't really planning to be in IT as a career. This was more or less a college job. My undergraduate degree is in mechanical engineering. But uh, the way things just worked out as far as opportunities go, um, I ended up going back to the university for my master's starting a little bit, but continued to work full-time at the computing center at Buffalo. And then that just kind of kind of continued my career being full-time in um, IT. Hmm. And then I had the opportunity to move south to the University of Tennessee Medical Center, where I was a network engineer. When I told my friends up there at the University of Buffalo, they said, hey, you're going to be a paid volunteer. I didn't know what they were talking about because I didn't know anything about SEC football. I didn't know about the Tennessee volunteers. didn't know anything about it. But So I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, learned all about Tennessee football at that point in time and um, was there for three years. And then Moved across the mid-state to Middle Tennessee State University, which, as it sounds, is in the middle of Tennessee. It was, at one point in time, the largest undergraduate uh, university in the state. I think that they've lost that title now. They they had it for a bit while I was there, so I can claim, I guess, responsibility. Uh, I was at Middle Tennessee State for 12 years in various roles. Started out as network manager, ended up as uh, assistant vice president for network and information technology security, a very long title. And then from there, I had an opportunity uh, to become the first chief information security officer for the metropolitan government of Nashville in Davidson County. So Mm -hmm. I was Nashville's first CISO and was there for about a year and a half and then had an opportunity to become the uh, vice president of information security, which was essentially the chief, uh, the CISO position, they just didn't have it titled that way at, at a bank called First Bank um, that is located here, uh, headquartered in Tennessee. And then from there, I had the calling to migrate to 
something a little bit different to provide my expertise to small and mid-sized businesses because there was just a whole bunch of um, small and mid-sized businesses that seemed to be getting dinged and it's because they didn't have access to the knowledge base that a chief information security officer has and the experience and we've kind of priced ourselves out of the realm of that for the small businesses but the idea of a virtual CISO it's not something I came up with but it was starting to gain a little bit of traction this was back in 2017 so I left took the plunge and now I'm almost six years total in with VCSO services have several people on staff that support me we do great things I think for small and mid-sized businesses and and here I am and then something that is not information security related that's what you, you had asked for right mm-hmm. yep well um this dovetails slightly with information security, I guess you could say, but I am a private pilot. I'm not practicing anymore, but um, I had a small airplane that I kept in Shelbyville, Tennessee. Shelbyville, I guess you the way that the uh, locals pronounce it. A Cessna 172. I haven't owned it for 10, 12 years. Uh, took it to New York several times from, from Tennessee. Had my instrument rating. Um but uh, I decided to sell the plane back in early 2009 with the idea that I'd take a little break from flying, maybe rent some other planes, see what I liked, and then I'd get back and I'd buy my next plane. And, you know, um, it just never had the um, the desire or the drive to get back to flying. And that's okay, because I think we go through seasons in life, we learn stuff. Now, what I said that how that dovetails a little bit into information security, which I know you said I wasn't supposed to do that, but it does a little. That's okay. That's fine. Um, is that flying is all about risk management. And typically uh, what ends up happening when an airplane crashes is that is not one thing, it's the last thing in the chain of events. And it's the same thing with information security. When you have a breach, it's usually not one thing, but it's the last thing in a chain of events. Yeah, that's a good point. Although, I, so I, I I didn't go as far as you, not even close, but I, I did do a, take a few lessons um, did my solo flight. And uh, I'll never forget one of the first lessons I took with my instructor to get my private pilot, private pilot's license was him um, turning off the engine and throwing open the the, the door that it was next to me. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, now Actually what do you do? The door? Actually open <laughs> yeah. the door? Oh, Actually open the door mid-flight, yeah. <laughs> so this was you were practicing um, uh, engine outs, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Because the idea is that that you want to make sure that the door is open because when you when you land hard, you could deform the airframe a little bit, and you'd like to get out of the airplane as soon as possible. I suspect yeah. that that's probably why you did it. So, yeah, interesting. It was yeah, that was uh, it's memorable. Um, uh, there's <laughs> one thing that you said that I I wanted to just quickly ask about because I was raised in Tennessee, so I think I might know what you're saying. But you said something about being introduced to Tennessee football. Mm-hmm. Now, most people have been introduced to football. But what do you mean by being introduced to Tennessee football? Well, I, I, again, I grew up in New York. And um, I was a Bills fan because uh, for, for the NFL, sure. um, which was during a period of time when it was very heartbreaking to be a Bills fan at the time. So I was all into uh, professional football. I didn't really know anything about college football. But um down in the South, college football, some some jokingly say that it's almost like a religion. Um, it's it's a very, very big, big deal. And 
um, I was working at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville Medical Center, which is right across the river from the University of Tennessee campus. And this big stadium, Neyland Stadium, that at the time held just a little bit less than 100,000 folks. But I mean, a huge thing. And I discounted it. I'm like, well, yeah, whatever. It's college football. It can't be that big of a deal. And I had the opportunity to, to get um, like they call it a short season of tickets as a new employee. You could buy them. They basically they sold you all the uh, the tickets to the games that nobody cared about uh, for the most part. You know, the the the, the ones where <laughs> I think I, I think I went to the first one I went to. I went to uh, Wyoming and I rode my bike over there. I lived a couple of miles away. And when I walked into the stadium, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is incredible. The number of people there and 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 all of that and and the passion for it and and so I learned I learned and uh, you know that was during the um, I was in UT at the time of uh, when Peyton Manning was there I actually saw him in a in a bar That's at one cool. point in time and I was going to ask him it's like please when you get drafted please go to Buffalo but <laughs> I I respected him I didn't know him I just left him alone and all that but uh, yeah so Tennessee football I learned so <laughs> yeah yeah. It's, it's definitely uh, quite a big deal. Um, part of a big part of my growing up. In fact, when I went to college and knew as much about football as I did, people were quite surprised because I went to college in the Northeast. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. So I want to dive in to the fact that not only did you found VCSO services, which is your, your firm that offers VCSO consulting services, but you do a few other things. Um, most recently I was introduced to your, to your own podcast, the virtual CISO moment. And then also in looking at your LinkedIn, you also, um, are the owner and an author of a publishing house. Can you talk a little bit about all these things you're doing and how you're managing them? Well, how I'm managing them. I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, so the podcast, the virtual CISO moment started as really just a, a marketing arm for VCSO services. I, I had this little idea of like doing a little bit of YouTube videos. I actually called it the virtual CISO minute in its initial mm-hmm. stages because the videos were just a minute. And I'd talk about something information security related for small and mid-sized businesses, risk assessments, importance of patching, stuff like that. The whole idea was just marketing. It's like, get it out there. And you know, I'd, I'd have three or four people that actually watch the video. So yay, I don't know how good it was for marketing or whatever. But I started <laughs> talking more, if you can believe that. And I realized that I couldn't do what I wanted to say in a minute. So I started to call it the virtual CISO moment. But still, it was just a YouTube thing that I would do on occasion. I, I kind of got a little bit away from it during COVID. I just lost the passion for it. But um, about a year and a half ago, I, I out of the blue, I got a... Um, contact from from this company called Anchor. And I'd never heard of Anchor. Apparently, it's a part of Spotify. And they're like, well, we're, we're, we're creating this new platform. We know that you've done some content already. Would you be interested in potentially applying and for for a new service we're, we're doing, which is videos on, on Anchor, which then you could upload to Spotify? And of course, I knew Spotify. I'd heard of Spotify. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's cool. And they accepted me. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, now I'm under the gun to to do something here. And I realized that I needed to redo the virtual CISO moment in a couple of ways and and have come to learn a couple of successful points that any podcasting podcaster needs to do. The first is to be consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So come up with a schedule and make sure you have content on a regular basis. The second that I realized, I don't know if you necessarily need to do it to be successful, but for me, it was, it's like, I, I, I was tired of talking. I was tired of listening rather to myself because I bore myself. It was just me talking. <laughs> and so when I first started to get someone in, like in this format, someone talking, someone more interesting than me, smarter than me in a lot of aspects, then the formula really clicked because now I'm I'm hearing stories and sharing stories from virtual CISOs and others in InfoSec. First, they share their path on their cyber journey, which helps other folks. Then they share some insights as to small and mid-sized businesses and, and some of the things that they need to do and all that. And so um, I'm somewhere in north of 70 now of having done these interviews. Wow. And, um, I just I just have the desire to keep going. And then on Mondays and Fridays, I do a short like news update the um, the uh, uh it's just a few things that i find over the past couple of days in cyber that i think can benefit small and mid-sized businesses it also benefits my clients because this is one of the ways that i convey some uh threat information to them and right. then as far as um the publishing so this is actually uh, second chance publishing actually goes back further than VC so services. I, I wrote my first um, novel that I opted for a variety of reasons to self-publish. And I still think self-publishing is, is a much cleaner way to go. Uh, hmm. You have a lot more control over rights and distribution and all of that, but you got to be really good at it. Um, okay. You got to be good at um, finding, don't edit your own stuff. Although I sometimes don't do that myself. <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> But uh, so I, I published a, uh, well, first I published a, um, self-published a, a book of um, poetry that I had written back in 2013 is when I published that first one. And that was just a test to see if I could go through the whole process, going through Ingram and all that. Then the book came out, uh, the novel called Forgiveness came out, I believe in 2014. Um, I, I wrote a, another novel, a follow-up to that, that I since pulled because I'm retooling it. Okay. And then wrote another novel, um, called, uh, here, I have it right here, and this one I actually published through a different company, but I said I'm going to do it through myself again, uh, Leaving Darkness. It's an okay. excellent book, if I might say so myself. Um, and then um, uh, a couple of other items and, and uh, ended up publishing um, information security for small and mid-sized businesses, which these notes that are here are the notes for the next edition that I'm working on. Which again, like it seems like so many things started out as a little marketing thing. I had it on the website. It's like, hey, here's an ebook about things that I've learned as a virtual CISO. Why don't you download it? And I get your email address and now I can bother you until the end of time. <laughs> um, and uh, um, then that migrated from an ebook to a printed book because I had had the experience of having done this through Second Chance Publishing. And um, now it's a, a book that's actually out on Amazon and uh, some people are actually buying it, which is great. And I get some good feedback. I actually got a five-star review up there, which, which made my nice. day. Um, and, uh, but I also realized in the last year, I wanted to get a little bit more serious with second chance publishing. And so the podcast that I mentioned is actually a now under second chance publishing LLC. It is now an LLC. Okay. Um, and it's sort of like becoming a little media company. Um, so just kind of building that thing. And and how do I handle all this? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> just, I, I'm trying to do it a little bit at a time. I think that um, my retirement path is um, when I leave the virtual CISO space, because I won't do this forever. Um, mm -hmm. It'll be more um, in second chance publishing, more. Um, I'll continue the podcast through that and continue to keep my feet 
in information security that way. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm not ready to be put out the pasture yet. So no, well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've now mentioned it a couple times that you you've done some things to help with marketing the virtual CISO firm um, mm-hmm. that you've started. Um, and I asked this question of everybody. So I, I'm the reason I'm premising with that is because now I'm wondering if this is going to be your answer, but I'd love, love for you to expand on it, which is the question is, what would you say is the hardest part about starting your own cybersecurity consulting business? <laughs> yeah, marketing. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I joke somewhat that marketing is a four-letter word. It's tough. It is, it is really, <laughs> yes. really tough. Um, because I had the illusion that when I started VCSO services that, ooh, look at this. Greg Schaefer has put out his shingle, his virtual shingle. He's 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 available now and all the folks are going to come. And I'm like, I just needed two or three big clients and I'd be set for life and this and that. And 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 it doesn't happen that way. It's like you have to really work to get your name out there. And 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 even more so now because the virtual CISO field has become saturated with not only a whole bunch of really good folks out there, but also a whole bunch of pretenders out there that are offering a service which isn't quite up to par, in my opinion. Hmm. Um, so so there's that competitive and and how do you stay? How do you stay competitive in that field? And there's so many things that you need to do. You need to have a good website. You need to talk about SEO. You need to get out and produce some sort of content. You need to, you need to constantly have a presence. They call it in writing. They call it a platform. So with like authors, they talk about the author's platform, which is basically um, what you do in social media and, and the, thereabouts. Um, you need to get out as much as you can to conferences. Sometimes that means actually spending money and, and buying a table and displaying. And sometimes that means be, doing the, uh, a, lot, a lot of the folks you see at, at information security conferences, they're speaking not because they're, they're, they're necessarily been invited there, but because they've paid to be there. So mm-hmm. they are, they are paying to, to pitch themselves and pitch their product. So so then marketing then gets expensive. It's not something which is cheap. And you have to build that into your whole um, business model, business plan, which I would submit actually is probably the better answer to what's the hardest part, because I didn't start with a business plan. I just started like on the seat of my pants and trying to figure all this stuff out. And um I've done a good job figuring out um, the majority of the stuff, and and but I've made a lot of mistakes, and and I'm actually um, sharing some of that journey on my YouTube channel, which is uh, YouTube.com/slash/ampersandvcso. I was able to get okay. the VCSO handle. Nice. Um, to uh, uh, there's a there's a um, playlist in there about consulting and and becoming a cybersecurity consultant. Uh, where I'm sharing some of this. I'll be speaking on the topic at uh, B-Sides Nashville in April and also Mm -hmm. at the Southeast Cybersecurity Conference. I think that's the name of it in Birmingham, Alabama in April. Um, I'm actually working on the presentation on my screen to the left here. Um, But uh, so, but you know what, getting back to the beginning, I think the hardest part of the whole thing was marketing. Um, but, but But under the umbrella of, if you don't have a good business plan, you've got to be you've got to be flexible and, and, you know, constant feedback loop. We talk about feedback loops and circuits and, and take, take what you learn. Did it work? Yay. Try to replicate it. If it didn't work, what went wrong and try not to replicate it. That sort of yeah. thing. And wash, rinse and repeat. Now, 
speaking of starting your own firm and, and that thought process of, oh, if I have two to three big clients and I'll be, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Would you say that in order to start, um, you should have a client out of the gate? It sounds like you're saying you should have a business plan, but what do you think about sort of the, a client lands in sort of lands in your lap, so to speak. And you think to yourself, well, if I have one client, then I should just go ahead and, and go for it. You know, information security, as we talked about before with the whole pilot analogies about risk management. And when you start your business, you really need to do a, a, a personal risk assessment about starting the business. So, so it, it scrolls back to, um, Financially, is it li- is it viable? Family wise, time wise, and so on and so forth, and that's going to inform the 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 personal answer to the do you start with no clients or one client or two clients or what have you. I would recommend, and this is the way I started, is um, sign on with a virtual CISO or an MSSP firm that is providing virtual CISO services already. Sign on part time as a ten ninety nine and get your feet wet. So I started. Um, with uh, I, I I did a cold email to two uh, MSPs back in early 2017 that were offering virtual CISO services and basically huh. said, hey, you know, I'd like to try this because it sounds cool. And um, one never responded. The other one was like, hey, I just got a big client and I could use some help. So very serendipitous, I guess. I, I yeah. And I saw and 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 when the, when he told me how much per month, I'm like, ooh, that's okay. <laughs> I kind of like that. I can live on that. Yeah. Um, so I started the uh, I started with one through this firm, and then by the time that I left um, my corporate job in the banking world at the end of September, I w- I I had now I was working with three clients white labeled basically through this MSP. And um, then I did some extended work, a little bit of runway, which I kind of figured this would happen, but I wasn't counting on it at at the firm that I had just left. They're like, well, can you help us as we bridge before we get in our next CISO? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And and here's my rate and all that. Um, But, you know, I got to the end of that. And so it's the beginning of 2018, mid 2018. And I hadn't gotten another client on my own at that point in time, I was starting to get discouraged. I mean, I was doing okay financially because I had the three, I was working through the MSP and for some that's fine, but I wanted to try to actually get this going myself. So, um, you know, it took a lot of perseverance to get through. That was a very, at one point in time, it was, it was a trough. It was a very dark period. Um, mm, I, I, I don't know how well that this is going to work out. And, and, you know, I was thinking about having to go back to corporate and all of that, but but, uh, you know, yeah. you just keep yeah. pushing through it and, 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 and here we are. So, yeah, well, I'm glad you are. Um, <laughs> I mean, so much more that we could talk about, but we are running close to the end of our time together. I'm going to ask you, hopefully, what is a fairly quick question, because I like to ask this one too, and especially given what's happened in the last few days, um, what industry trends are you seeing for 2023? Oh, that's a good question. And usually when someone says, oh, that's a good question, that's a placeholder as they try to think of a good answer for what turns out to be a really good question. You know, um, there's a lot of talk about AI and and you see more and more uh, instances where artificial intelligence is being used in um, in business. I, I Chat GPT, I, I think it's great. And I think it does help with the beginnings of like, say, writing policies, for example. I mean, it, it can kind of get you um, 
started on something or it, it's good mm -hmm. for writing code for what I understand. I'm not a coder, but what we're starting to see more and more now is that people don't realize that if they start putting confidential information up there into services, they haven't vetted this vendor. They, they, they don't know where their information is going. Yep. And so I, I think that in general, the how AI is going to work its way through small and mid-sized businesses in particular, but all businesses and, and information security concerns with, in relation to that um, is going to be a, a big trend in 2023. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually, I think you're probably right. Well, okay, so thank you so much for your time, Greg. This has been truly a pleasure and awesome hearing your story and talking to you about the business. Can you please let our listeners know how they can find you? Sure. You can go to our um, website for VCSO services at vcsoservices.com. It's very easy to find. It's a, you know, VCISO services. Uh, if you want to go and listen to the podcast, you can go to um, any podcast platform or to YouTube and, and look for the virtual CISO moment. If you're interested in Second Chance Publishing, you can go to secondchancebook.org, I believe it is. Yeah, secondchancebook.org. So. That's how you great. can get, and you can always find me on Twitter and LinkedIn and all of that as well, too. Great, great. Well, thanks again for joining us. And if you're listening, you can find all of our blogs in this podcast on Substack at the Security Expert Marketplace. So take care.